open them and we'll get to it before the day's over. <laughs> We're going to cover some ground today. I see Christian. I saw you. Thank you, brother. Christian, why don't you stand up? Let's give Christian a round of applause. He's been in Afghanistan, right? You've been in Afghanistan, right? Isn't that where you've been? Yeah. For quite some time. His mama is there. Marva's here with him. Stand up, Marva. He's here because of you. Praise the Lord. Glad to see you guys here. Uh, this morning, we're going to get in, um, into the Christmas spirit a little different way. I was reading uh, this, this year, I'm reading uh, the Old Testament right this second, trying to, uh, trying to go through the whole Bible started back in October, and um, just reading how, how they used to do it. And uh, what they were required to do was they just stood up and read Scripture. You know, there wasn't preachers. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> there was just Scripture reading. And we're kind of going to do a little bit of that today because, um, you know, I'm, I'm blown away at, at just how the Bible will prove itself. And I don't think oftentimes we do a good job as pastors and preachers of, of giving you the information that you need to actually build your faith in that way. I hope you got a sheet. Did, did you, everybody got one of these? We're going to pass them out. Uh, if, you could, if you could, somebody could help right here. Yep, Cheryl's got it. If you hadn't got one of these, raise your hand, please, all over the place. We need more than one person helping. There we go. Cool, cool. Uh, I want you to uh, take these home. Don't leave them here. You can use them as firewood, but it took me an awful long time to put this together. So act like you want one and take it home with you, okay? Can you do that for the pastor? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> these, are, these are 40 of about 300 passages of Scripture or prophecies about Jesus. And what I did is I just, they're still passing them out. We're getting more. And what I did is I just took 40, but let me just give you some thoughts. Let me, let me give you some, some statistics. If one person were to be able to keep eight of these prophecies, it would be the possibilities of that happen would be one in 100 Whatever comes after trillion, billion, whatever comes after billion, huh? Trillion, okay, trillion, I just said that. What comes after trillion? Quadrillion, okay. One in 100 quadrillion chances of one person being able to keep eight prophecies. All right, you ready for this? If one person were to keep 48, it would be 1 in 10 to the 157th power. Who could keep 300? Jesus. Yeah? Isn't that good? Come on. Golly, I just can't, I can't hardly even contain myself when I start thinking about what, what happened, what he did before the foundation of the world, 
There was a plan set forth for you and I to be saved. Romans says it like this. You were predestined before the foundation of the world to be conformed to the image of Christ. And he was able to keep 300 plus prophecies. Now, that doesn't happen. Think about this. Just think about the lineage. Jesus did not have the ability to change his lineage. He was who he was. In all the different aspects of how it had to play out was absolutely impossible all by itself. But think about this, too. All the places that it said he would be from. Nazareth, he'd be born in Bethlehem, he'd be called this, he'd be called that. All those things were his parents' deal, not his. He was a kid. Think about how many times your, your parents moved and, and how much you had influence on that. Nothing. You had no influence on those things. Yet every, every prophecy about the location of where Jesus would be from came to pass. Totally impossible to happen. And so today, as we go, what I thought I'd do is I thought I'd just go over a lot of them. And so on your sheet of paper, I'm going to go over uh, some and just, just go over them, and then we'll go back uh, and just catch some of the Old Testament prophecies, and then we'll look at what the New Testament has to say. But let's just go over all 40 real quick. So we're going to run. Number one, that Messiah would be born of a woman. That's an interesting, an interesting one all by itself, but, but, but God would come through a woman. I mean, that's, that's a hard concept to fathom. Number two, Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Not only would be born in Bethlehem, but be called a Nazarite, a Nazarene. Number three, Messiah would be born of a virgin. Number four, Messiah would come from the line of Abraham. Number five, Messiah would be a descendant of Isaac. Messiah would be a descendant of Jacob. Number seven, Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. <laughs> you would know, Wallace, that he'd be a worshiper, right, from the tribe of Judah. Messiah will be the heir to King David's throne. Number nine, Messiah's throne would be anointed and eternal. Number 10, Messiah would be called Emmanuel. Number 11, Messiah would spend a season in Egypt. Number 12, a massacre of children would happen at Messiah's birthplace. Number 13, a messenger would prepare the way for Messiah. Number 14, Messiah would be rejected by his own people. 15, Messiah would be a prophet. 16, Messiah would, proceed, uh, would be preceded by Elijah. Number 17, Messiah would be declared the Son of God. Number 18, Messiah would bring light to Galilee. Number 19, Messiah would speak in parables. Number 20, Messiah would be sent to heal the brokenhearted. Number, number uh-oh, I skipped. I just saw, I just saw a mistake. <clears throat> Liz must have typed that out and got that wrong. 
Help me, Lord. There goes lunch. <laughs> Number 22 on your paper. Messiah would be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Number 23, Messiah would be called king. Ah, there's two 23s. Golly, Liz, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> Messiah would be praised by little children. Number 24, Messiah would be betrayed. I just wanted to make sure y'all knew I did this. That's what it was right there. Messiah would be betrayed. Number 25, Messiah's price money would be used to buy a potter's field. Number 26, Messiah would be falsely accused. Number 27, Messiah would be silent before his accusers. Ha! Number 28, Messiah would be spat upon and struck. 29, Messiah would be hated without a cause. 30, Messiah would be crucified with criminals. 31, Messiah would be given vinegar to drink. 32, Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced. 33, Messiah would be mocked and ridiculed. 34, soldiers would gamble for Messiah's garments. 35, Messiah's bones would not be broken. 36, Messiah would be forsaken by God. Thirty-seven, Messiah would pray for his enemies. Thirty-eight, soldiers would pierce Messiah's side. Thirty-nine, Messiah would be buried with the rich. And forty, Messiah would be a sacrifice for sin. That's just forty of the three hundred. It's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Now, what I've done with this with this paper for you, even though I can't count, is I have. I have tried to make it easy so you don't even have to look up these scriptures. I mean, they're right there for you. And what's the interesting thing about these passages, these prophecies, the, the earliest, the closest to, to, the, to the life of Messiah is 400 years, 450 years. The oldest is several thousand. And so when you start thinking about our nation not being 300 years old and start putting a time frame on, on all these prophecies, it, it's mind-blowing. And for those 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament that, that God was silent, the silent period, uh, it, it was exactly that. It, 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 it went south the church had drifted away from the Lord and, and some of its truth, and then, and then Jesus comes to fulfill what was written. So let's look at this. Let's look at uh, number one. Messiah would be born of a woman. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, how many, how many know that's pretty early in the, uh, in the writing of Scripture? It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, it says this, But while he thought about these things, Joseph, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 4, 4, Paul writes, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. There doesn't get a whole lot of more time in between two prophecies than that. And it's pretty amazing that the, the, the creator of the universe could overshadow a, a woman and the seed of God, the Father, which is the bloodline, would be carried out through a woman. Number two, Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 writes, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. In Luke chapter 2, verse 4 and 6, it says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And so the passage of Scripture written in Micah is fulfilled Matthew and Luke. Number three, Messiah would be born of a virgin. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says this, Therefore the Lord himself would give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, it says, So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, betrothed to to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and consider what manner of greeting that was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Messiah was born of a virgin. Messiah would come from the line of Abraham as well. and also come from the line of Isaac and Jacob, which is, which is in, that, in that same vein. Number seven, it says Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. In Genesis chapter 49.10, it says the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. In Hebrews chapter 7 verse 14, it says, For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke 
nothing concerning priesthood. So Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah. Messiah would be heir to King David's throne. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 through 13, it says, When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Isaiah 9, 7 also says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Somebody say hallelujah. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In Romans chapter 1, verse 3, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. In Luke chapter 1, verse 31 and 33, it says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb again. As we repeat this verse, and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Messiah's throne is prophesied to be anointed and eternal. In Psalm 45, 6 and 7, it says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Say that with me. Is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. In Daniel 2, 44, again, it's prophesied, it says, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. I just want to, I just want to point out, you know, I'm a, I'm a veteran. I served in the military, but this kingdom that we serve, and I serve so uh, gladly, will not last. The kingdom of heaven will overshadow it, crush it, and righteousness will prevail. In Luke chapter 1, verse 33, it says this, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Hebrews 1, 8 and 12, But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness, more than your companions, quoting that scripture. And you, Lord, in the, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. 
Messiah would be called Emmanuel. In Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. In Matthew chapter 1, 23, we see that carried out. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. We read that just a moment ago. Messiah was spent a season in Egypt. I think these kinds of things like this are just, they're crazy. Hosea 11.1, 1. Hosea, do y'all know what Hosea is about? Hosea is about a harlot. And it's referencing the church in our, in our playing the field instead of serving our God. And in that book, it writes, when Israel was a child, it loved me. I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. He says in Isaiah, Hosea. In Matthew 2, 14 and 15, it says, When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. That's, that's nuts to me. That's nuts to me. He knew Herod was going to be there. He knew Herod was going to come against everything. He knew Herod was going to order that these children be killed. And in that season, the angel comes and says, get out of here. And they go and they live in Egypt until the day that Herod is dead. So for one purpose, so that it can be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet. Why? So that you would know that Jesus really is Messiah. That's it. All these things happened so that you would have no doubt. And so we See number 12, which is hard to understand even. But it was prophesied that a massacre of children would happen at Messiah's birthplace. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15, it says this, Thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16 through 18. It says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth, put to death, all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah. Lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. I just want to say. <laughs> That's hard to put in a lot of people's theological bucket. 
sometimes you might have to change your thought processes on the bigness of our God when you read stuff like that. He knew. And it was done so that you would know that Jesus is Messiah. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, Number 13, a messenger would prepare the way for Messiah. I love this, man. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In Luke chapter 3, verse 3 through 6, it says, as, as it describes this, this prophecy, it says, And he went into all the region around the Jordan preaching, this is John the Baptist, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough ways smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. I read this week, I'm getting where I really like Charles Spurgeon. I, anybody know who Charles Spurgeon is? Heard, heard, heard that name? Man, he, he, <laughs> I'm just reading some of his stuff, and it's, it, to me, he's just like, he, he, he did not play. He was not popular. I mean, he was real popular with the church, but the world hated him. But this is what he said. He says, he says, he says too many people are, are, are trying to follow Christ, but they can't follow Christ until they're willing to divorce sin. He says, you can't marry Christ until you divorce sin. And I, I love this whole thought when we, we're talking about he makes the crooked places, or, or they're made straight. The rough ways are smooth. How does that happen? Well, that happens when you, when you divorce sin and you, and you put on Christ. And so there would be a messenger, and that would be John the Baptist. It's all, number 16 said Messiah will be preceded by Elijah. It's, it's, it's prophesied in Malachi, and Jesus points to John and says, I'm, uh, if you're willing to receive it, John the Baptist is Elijah, the one that was to come. And so he validates that. But number 14, Messiah would be rejected by his own people. In Psalm 69, 8, it says, I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children. Listen to that now. Listen, I have become an alien to my mother's children. Isaiah 53, 3, he is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. In John 1, 11, it says, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. In 7, 5, it says, For even his brothers did not believe him. Isaiah is a long time 
before John. We'll go to number 20. Messiah would be sent to heal the brokenhearted. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom, liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. In Luke 4, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recover of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And, and Jesus then proclaims, in, in your hearing today, this passage of Scripture has been fulfilled. And then they try to kill him. But you've you got to understand something about that, just to even, just to even grab a hold of this. Now, this is, we're talking about Isaiah, and then we're talking about Jesus. I've been, in the, I've been in the synagogue that Jesus did this in, 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 in Nazareth, where he grew up. And it's a little bitty. I mean, it's probably the size of the bottom section here. It's small. So it was probably full. At that point, Jesus is talking. But Jesus, it's not like, it's not like, well, who's going to read the scripture today? It's not like that. They've got this, they've got this planned out yearly, years ahead, who's going to bring the word. Who, who, and you only get it once in a lifetime sometimes. Do you, are you able to be the one who actually brings the word? Well, on the day that they were at Isaiah chapter 61, Jesus' name was up. And he reads it. And then he says, in your hearing, the scripture's fulfilled. Why? So you would believe that Jesus is Messiah. There's no other reason. The only reason is to give you solid proof that Jesus is Messiah. So you could build your life so you, so you wouldn't hold anything back. So you could pour your all into him. He is God. He's God. His way is right. His way is righteous. He died so that he could send his Holy Spirit and live in you and give you wisdom that you don't have. He, it's supernatural wisdom to be able to make right choices. And then when you don't have the ability to do it, he gave you the grace, the power to actually accomplish that. that that's what Jesus did. He, he, he broke the chain of sin. He opened up the relationship between you and God so he could send the Holy Spirit so you could have victory. So you could win. That, that's what it's about. You don't have to hesitate. You don't have to be passive. You can be, you can be crazy for Jesus. And it'd be good. 
You don't have to hold back. You don't, you don't have to go, well, you know, I don't know. Uh, tentativeness can just go out the door. You can be confident. There's no way Jesus was not Messiah. It's totally impossible. It's totally impossible. And we really need to reorder our lives on the fact that, that he came to set the captives free. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came as a sacrifice for sin. That's why Jesus came. He didn't come so you could keep on sinning. He didn't come so I could keep on sinning. He wants me to stop anything that he wouldn't do. How do you know whether it's sin? There's several ways that you can tell whether something's sin or not. The first one is, do you feel like there's pressure from the inside that God's telling you to quit something? That would be number one. You know, if you got this inkling, I don't know if I should be doing that. Let me give you another Spurgeon quote. Morality might keep you out of jail, but only the blood of Jesus can keep you out of hell. <laughs> That's good right there, isn't it? Y'all like his virgin now, aren't you? <laughs> but he, he, <laughs> he came, he came so that you could be free from sin. Get that. You no longer have to be bound by dysfunction. You no longer have to be bound by a way of thinking that's contrary to heaven. You no longer have to be imprisoned. How many believe that hellish forces would want you to be worried? How many people think that hellish forces would want you to be anxious? How many, how many people believe that, that hellish forces would want you to be discouraged? How many think that the hellish forces might want you to not have any hope? And what Jesus came to do was to give you hope. What Jesus came to do was to encourage you. You know, in theos, enthusiasm comes from being in God. You're enthused about life. You're no longer, you're no longer in a place where you're, you're discouraged. He came to set you free. Let's read this last one. This is Isaiah 53, 5 through 12. We've all got it. We, can we, you think we can read that much? Probably not. I'll read it to you. That's a lot. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Do y'all understand that? Are you, in, do you live in peace? Wait a minute now. Jesus was chastised so you could live in peace. It was upon him. That chastisement, that, that absence of peace, it's on him. Why? Because he wants you to live in peace. And by his stripes, we Say this with me. By his stripes, we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to our own way of thinking, to our own way of doing. And the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all, the, the faulty thinking, the faulty doing. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord. Say that with me. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. I don't mess with your theology as well. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for, for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil and with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. In Romans chapter 5 and 6, Paul writes this, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He had predetermined, he had predestined victory for you. He had predestined all this stuff that we've got on these papers, all this stuff that you could say, that's impossible to accomplish in your own strength so that you would believe, so that you would believe wholeheartedly, so that you'd put your trust in him, so that you would forsake sin and that you would pick up righteousness and that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit and that you would have victory after victory, after victory, after victory. That's the story of Christmas. You know, we get, we, get, we get eggnog and we get warm by the fire. I've been sitting by our fire for two or three days. It's been nice. Got my grandbaby in town. And my kids came with her. <laughs> and it, it's been beautiful. But Christmas is not this warm, fuzzy, just season. It's a season that we rejoice, that we, we recognize the fact that, that this event was, was Emmanuel, God with us, so that he could open up heaven so that we could have victory. Father, thank you, God.
Thank you, God, for Christmas. Thank you, Lord, for what you did. I'm amazed, God. I'm amazed. And sometimes I make you too small in my eyes, God. And sometimes, Lord, I just I take you for granted. I just can't believe my heart does that, God. It, it drifts, and, and, and I, really, I really don't fear you, Lord. I mean, I say it with my mouth sometimes, but my heart is far from you. That's what you say about me. And I just want to ever be aware. I want to constantly be coming back to you, God. You established the Sabbath, God, so that we could constantly come back to you. That we could constantly be reminded of how desperately we need you so that we could, we could re-enlist in our fear of the Lord. That nothing happens without you, God. That all these prophecies that we see established in Jesus, you've got those same plans for each one of us. You say, golly, I'm about to get on something else. Look at me real quick. This is a word from the Lord. God has those same tight plans for you. You're not a mistake. You're not forgotten. If you'll lock into him, if you'll trust in him, if you'll if put your faith in him, He'll carry out things that are going to blow your mind. If you'll fear him, he'll do incredible things in your life. He wants to say that to you. None of this happened. It's not circumstance. It's not an accident. It's not a once-in-a-lifetime thing, although Messiah was. He is, we are sons of God, created before the foundation of the world to emulate Jesus. And you can't do that in your own strength. It's only in the fear of the Lord, Richard, that you're going to be able to do that. And that means that you, that you recognize that you can't do it without God. And so I pray this Christmas that you would give your whole heart to God. I pray that you would not take him for granted. I thank you that you would say, I want to return to my first love. I want to turn to the love I have for God when I first got saved. I want to grow in that love. You know, I was grateful when God saved me, but I'm telling you right now, I'm a lot more in love with God now than I was then. You can grow in your love for Christ. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, if there's anyone in the room that needs to receive you as their Savior, I pray right now would be that moment, God. If you want to acknowledge the Lord right now as your Savior, would you just say, say out loud, Lord, I want to acknowledge you as Savior. Do that right now. Lord, I want to acknowledge you as Savior. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for coming, Jesus, as a baby, fulfilling all the prophecies just so I would know that you're real. Teach me to trust you more. Pray in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Amen.